We are good to go. I appreciate you coming by. Hey, thank you for having me, man. And uh, <clears throat> certainly bearing with us because, you know, we're running a little late this morning. Oh, man, no. I Like, there was part of me, too, that was like, oh, why did I, why did it, why did I sign up for this time, dude? <laughs> I should have just done it when we weren't doing a show and... Like yeah, I was we were we were up late last night. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun show, man. Um, yeah, thanks for coming out. So everyone listening and watching to this, we are we got a little extra podcast for you guys this week. Uh, we are here with Wyatt from Homebody. Uh, just got done with the fucking killer show last night, dude. And that whole like that whole lineup was great because it was uh, Lamelo, Side Montero, and then you guys. Yeah. And I want to get into all of that. I want to get into your music and yeah. just everything. Uh, before we do, we're going to do a quick little ad spot for the people that made this live stream possible. Hell yeah. I'm proud to announce that the podcast is now officially sponsored by the fine people over at Chop Chili Company. Guys, this is some of the best chili you can get here in the state of New Mexico, and they are online as well as in stores. They can be found at Smith's, Albertson's, Sprouts, John Brooks, and Lowe's Corner Market. They have three amazing flavors that you see here, and they also have frozen green chili that you can get online. Go on over to the website, chopchiliCo.com and get yourself some amazing chili today. Ah, hit the battering. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. That's you can, you can fucking pick it up, too. Yeah. It, uh, it's not sharp. No, it comes, <laughs> it comes out of the magnet. Oh, cool. <laughs> Isn't that sick? That is so sick. It's fucking heavy, dude. Yeah. All right. So your fucking show last night was great. Big, big props to fucking Side Montero and Lamelo. Yeah. yeah Holy shit! That guy Abel can shred on the guitar. <laughs> oh my god. He's a no. good show, man. He always loved, he always loves running out in the audience mm -hmm. and uh, doing. I remember he was the first time I ever saw like an actual stage dive at from, like a <laughs> local band. There's like ten people there, but he's a, he's a skinny enough guy. I can't. If I try to do that, I'm, I'm on the floor. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like Jack Black in School Rock, dude. Like everyone moves out of the way when I try to do a stage dive. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was that was a real good show. Uh, what I like, so I, I had never been to Sister for a show like that. Really? Frankly, I didn't even know Sister had a venue until the back end of last year. Really? Yeah, I had, oh, well, because like I had seen a couple of ads during the summer of last year for shows at Sister. And I was like where like right in the front <laughs> of sister because i didn't know that you literally pull back the curtains and there's an entire video there's a, oh okay I oh had, yeah i, I no guess clue. that makes sense where uh when did you kind of start going to sister because i remember during the pandemic they did kind of shut that whole yeah. area down they put pinball mach the pinball machines in there but before in the before times it was uh it was, it was, yeah, it was a huge venue because, and they had some pretty substantial indie acts. Like I remember I saw King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, who's a really big Australian band. Uh, they played there, which when I saw that, I was like, what? And you know, you'd see some, some big bands on the indie circuit, like national touring acts come through Sister. And then you'd also have the local shows and then they have the DJ nights. Right. Yeah, Sister, Sister does it right. They, really no, they're cool. awesome, man. Because, well, to be frank. Before the pandemic, I was not the guy that goes out. I did not mm. go out and drink. Like, I was, well, because one, I was, I mean, not that I'm rich now, but I was poor as fuck. Yeah. So I was like, man, <clears throat> I could either go out and spend 50 bucks on like four, because I like whiskey, right? So on four drinks of whiskey, right? If it's like including tip, tax, 50 bucks. Or I can stay in and get one of those because we might, we were fucking delinquents. We used to buy because we had no taste and oh, no yeah. had no idea how to spend money. We would buy the one and like three quarter liter fucking Jack Daniels bottles and yeah. just pound out of those. So I was like, okay, those cost thirty bucks, and that is going to last me for a week. I'm just gonna live off of that. Yeah. And so, you know, but during the pandemic and everything shut down, like it didn't start to fuck with me until like July of 2020. Yeah. July or, July or August. And I was like, oh man, what if this doesn't come back? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, man, I, well, I was thinking that. Yeah. I was like, well, if, if any of this ever comes back, uh, I'm definitely going to try to be more social, try, try to go out more, do things. Yeah. And like, so then the podcast happened and I was like, all right, this is becoming increasingly obvious that, <clears throat> you know, as much as I love having my friends on, as much as I love talking to them, I do want to meet new people. I do want to have conversations with brand new people. And yeah, I can do a lot of my, I mean, this is how we met was through Instagram. Yeah. Establishes know? community, dude. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But like Albuquerque area. But then at the end of the day, my thought process too was like, if I'm going to ask um, someone to come in, especially if they're a musician, right? 
if I'm going to ask someone to come in for an hour or two to hang out and talk, the least I can fucking do is go see their show. Oh, yeah. Like hey, that, no, that, we appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that dude. is the yeah. absolute least that I can do. So yeah. I try to go out more, go meet people, go yeah. see. And I just love going to live music, dude. Yeah. Oh, I so love fun. it. Love it. Yeah. And you start to, especially Albuquerque is a small enough town. It's funny, too, because, like, yeah, the two night, uh, the night before the show, we ran into each other at fucking Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut. Oh, can I cuss on you? <laughs> oh, yes. I was forgetting. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the banner is based off of OnlyFans. I think cussing's okay. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I ran in, ran into you to Chiba Hut, and you didn't you we, you didn't meet me, but I know you from seeing the podcast, so I was like able to be like, "Yo!" and I waved at you, and you just like were like, oh, well, "I don't know well, that guy." Well, yeah, because like again, my <laughs> could be anyone. My brain immediately just goes into like social anxiety. Okay, there's no he's talking to you, dude. And I look back and I saw a table with a couple of girls. I'm like, "Oh, okay, he's probably talking to the girls." I'm like, "Oh wait, nope, it's me." Okay, that's you, dude. I know. So I had to come up and be like, "No, dude, I messaged you." But yeah, so and that's the cool thing about Albuquerque, the the. Um, Cool. I, I'm sure a lot of people get sick of it too, though, because I remember when I lived here. I'm in Portland now, but um, I'm here for the tour. But when I um, when I lived here, you know, you see the same people, which can be a bummer in some ways. But you know, now that I'm living in Portland, it's something a little bit that I miss because there's, you know, you you'll eventually you'll see enough people out and about, and yeah. you know, maybe you'll start to become friends with them, or you know, it just gives you a sense of community a, a little bit. Um, yeah. and that is something I like, but. But yeah, so it's funny, like, uh, if you, when you go out to shows, you'll start seeing the same people, and it, if everyone's really digging in, and the energy's kind of the same on the communal level, it just makes all the shows feel like, yeah, like, last night was so fun, because um, we had three bands, and I feel like all of us have a pretty decent-sized pool, which made a giant pool, mm -hmm. and everyone was there for each other, and, like, I, I haven't seen a lot of, sh or done a lot of shows like that, where, like, there's a lot of people at the opening set. There's a lot of people in the middle set. And then there's, yeah, there's like just the right amount of people for everyone's set. And everyone was down and yeah, like hanging out and just having a good time. So, yeah. well, yeah. And that's, <clears throat> and that's what I, what I absolutely love about this like post pandemic uh, Albuquerque is I think a lot of people realize that there's a ton of talent. Yeah. And, but also with the, the local economy here in New Mexico, how poor we are and there's not a whole lot of opportunities. That's forcing a lot of creators to do it themselves. Yeah. And I like it's still kind of there, kind of like in the older generation where it's like, well, because we were talking about this on um on Thursday night when we were doing the podcast, it was like where people a lot of people, their mindset is you can become successful, you can become famous even or whatever, but you can't just get better than me. Right. You can't. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, the person that gets really successful here and they start telling people and their fam like even their family or their friends like, oh, what? You're all fucking famous now or what? Mm -hmm. You got money now? What's up? What's going on? And that mindset, I kind of see that like. I hope that's not me. Oh, not me. We got uh, breaking <laughs> down <laughs> live in the, down in the South Valley, son. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm very glad that that mindset's kind of going away because like for especially in Albuquerque, it's because the older people are dying. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, As COVID. This happens, right? Thanks, COVID. Thanks, <laughs> COVID. <laughs> but no, like it's people are realizing that with the small community that we have, it's a it has to be a feast, not a famine. Yeah. Like if we all support each, if all these music. Uh, if all these bands support each other, like you put out my shit, I'll put out your yeah. shit. We have shows together, like and. I, th I what I'm learning is super important, and it's very obvious when you say it out loud. But what I'm learning firsthand is super important is how how to properly set up a lineup. Like you guys, while you all had your distinct sound, you all flowed together very well. Yeah. And so, like for instance, I'm obviously a huge fan of a band here, the Slums of Harvard. Yeah. I would have loved to see the play friend. last night, but I don't think they would have fit in with that yeah, set because definitely. they're a lot more pop punk. And you guys, that whole lineup were a lot more like, uh, like wavy, like indie, indie, Pink Floyd, like borderline psychedelic, mm -hmm. like that kind of feel. And then just to ram a Blink One Eighty Two in there, <laughs> I don't think that would have been the best move. You know what I mean? No. But it's awesome that like there's still all that support going around. Yeah. And then, oh, I saw people in the fucking crowd for Side Montero and for you guys. Like, I, I mean, it was just. It's awesome to see people show out for yeah. local stuff. But man, like I'm looking into the crowd and there's people fucking singing along to the lyrics. And I'm like, <sighs> that was the first time for me. Whoa. Yeah, no, I was surprised about that. We actually like, <clears throat> met fans like for the first time. It was like people that weren't my friends or anything that 
like I had never met before that came up to me after and were like talking to me and were like, yeah, we found you on like the Spotify algorithm. And it was like, finally, dude, like <laughs> I was hearing about this algorithm working for people. It's like, I don't see it, you know, I'll do a bunch of shows. But what you were saying about the set, like building a dynamic set, that was something that was hard learned for me and um, the other two guys in my band. Cause we've been, we've been in the Albuquerque scene for a bit, like 10 years and the, um, the what was hard what's a little bit about hard about albuquerque is that um there's so many different kinds of bands but not really a scene per se and so i remember we would play i was in a rock duo for a while called mountainhead and um we had like a very particular rock sound but like most of the bands we would play with would be very like either screamo or metal or and it it didn't matter what the show was it, it just never felt like we were a band playing with other bands that were like us and so when you know now i'm like 30 and we got this homebody band that's our new thing and um we've just been around a bit longer now and there yeah there's so many different artists now in albuquerque i think since the pandemic and people have had a chance to kind of explore themselves and learn yeah. how to do it themselves that we were able to like, okay, we, we can be thoughtful about this and yes. how we're going. Cause we were very selective about what bands were going to play with us. Yeah. Cause I, they, uh, you know, we were just trying to be at that kind of next level. Cause you know, once you're, once you hit our age, it's like, you know, you got to start really, if you're going to be, you know, blowing your money to go on tour and do these shows and like oh i have a week off like most people take a vacation for that but if like you're in me it's like i'm gonna do a tour you know yeah. that's a loss of money and yeah. just work more work than vacation really so so it's like if you're gonna do that you got to do it right and you got to fucking think about every aspect like what band goes where how you're gonna do the flow and just be as professional as you can about it because it's like for real you know because well, <laughs> that is your biggest uh, like social media is invaluable, obviously. Yeah. But as far as putting a face to the name of Homebody, getting the music out there, and really showing people what you're about, the live performance is where it's at. Definitely. That, that's that's where it's. That's at. where you get new people. Yeah, that's where you get new people because um, the the way our current music streaming and music consumption habits lie, most people don't even really have follow bands as much anymore because it's just like oh they hear a song and they'll like it and they'll put it on a playlist or whatever and then you'll have hundreds of that just bands you've never heard of or um bands that like you you don't really follow or listen to the full album or whatever because there's just so much uh stuff out there because the whole inner the whole world's out there and then um so when you go out to see maybe a band that you've never seen before or uh, you've just heard one song and then you go out to see them you really kind of have to put it all on the line, which is um, my MO for everything. I try to give everything to the the audience, uh, sometimes at the expense of like, because I'm playing bass and singing, which is way fucking harder than <laughs> guitar. And so it's like sometimes I'll hit a wrong note, but it's like you've just got to have the energy and just like give everything because, um, yeah, you impress someone with the the experience of a live show and they you'll that that's what wins them over yeah. for real. Well, and it's yeah. it's good that you have that mindset because I mean you, you kind of just touched on it a little bit, but you know, with it's awesome that we have streaming. It's awesome that uh, access to music is larger than it ever has been. Yeah. But at the same time, you're also you're not necessarily in like in my opinion as far as media goes. Yeah, you're in competition with like other artists or other like uh, music creators. You're really in competition for people's attention. Yeah, for that's everything. that's what you're competing for. It's not for likes or for plays or any of that. It's their attention. It's mm-hmm. how much. Like, I remember learning this this marketing thing uh, in psychology where if it's a like a brand new product, right? It takes someone an average of four to eight times to either hear about it or see it mm. before they actually decide to buy that new product. And so with uh, you know, with the algorithms and with Spotify and all that, the way that's set up, it's like, well, you know, if for the average consumer, it's like, yeah, I could check out this brand new band that I saw last night, or I could, I just got told about a new band, or I could just go back to the playlist that I know. Yeah. I could go back to listen to the artists that I know. Mm-hmm. And so being able to break through that and do these live shows, that's super important. Yeah. So, so and that, cause that's, that's more uh, of the like, <clears throat> the tangential part of, the experience of itself because why why music and, and art connects so like viscerally with people is because um 
they can kind of put themselves in whatever the the, the medium is. So it's right. like if the song there's a song someone really relates to, they're not say, thinking, oh, this is why it's saying this to me. They're saying this is me saying it through myself, and mm-hmm. but this person's singing it. So it's like if you can relate that to someone and then put it into an actual memory or a very memorable experience that becomes part of their psyche, mm-hmm. then they're they're you know then that's that's something that will be with them way longer than um, yeah just something that they put kind of on music in the background or wallpaper or whatever and because yeah it goes to selling like the product right or what you were saying about like because it, it all of it's pushing a product but and it's like it would be great if like we could just make money off of that but um, really we're not so like we can only make money off of um, selling things on tour and stuff yeah but. Um, at the end of the day, it like what I'm going to remember for me is those couple fans that like came up and talked to me afterwards. Like, I didn't care if we didn't sell anything that yeah. night or whatever, just the fact that people came out and like said, yeah, like we found this and, you know, just people singing along that stuff that's going to be with me forever. So the, yeah. you know, and you know, we're, we're, we try to push the product cause we want to do this as best we can and as long as we can, but it's always ends to a mean, mm-hmm. I'd rather have the experience than the the product for sure well and that's such a unique interaction to have not a lot of people have that yeah and it's like because it's one thing i had it a bit last night for the for like really like in a sizable quantity where i had people coming up to me about the podcast I was like, oh, oh really yeah. last I was like, night yeah i was like what the fuck okay okay <laughs> this is something to get used to but like i i had imagined like because like you just said it's a little with, weird <clears throat> it is um but with how you're saying like with music like People aren't like I don't listen to my favorite bands, and I'm like, yeah, that fucking yeah, great day. No, I get it. I'm like, no, wait, wait a minute. This is this is a uh, a reflection of a memory that I've had, or this is yeah. a uh, an experience that I've gone through that I'm like remembering and I'm thinking about or like meditating on, yeah. or making me feel shit again. And you know, so be able to create music and give that to someone that's at a whole other level, and then they come say thank you for it. Yeah, that's that's great. So when so how long before leaving Albuquerque did you start Homebody? Um, so I I moved back to Albuquerque because I, I was born here, but I moved away. I came back to finish college in like 2013. And then um, I kind of joined the music scene. And through college and other people, I met the two guys in my band, Marshall and Kendall. And they went, um, they were in a band called Eugene. And they got me in on that. And I was also living with them. And we just kind of played a bunch of different projects with each other uh, before I left for Portland. And um, we, yeah, we just kind of were always doing different stuff. Um, I have like my solo stuff that Kendall would play on or Marshall produced my first record or I would play bass on Kendall's project. It's very much just a pool musicians type thing. But we were always good homies. And then um, I moved to Portland 2019 literally right before the pandemic yeah rough not a good time to move (laughs) especially for portland dude because yeah uh, it's like buying a house in late 2007 (laughs) jesus yeah almost exactly because it was cool portland was such a pretty beautiful place with great infrastructure the city was like nice and stuff and uh and then and then yeah just like pandemic happened then the riots happened and the riots lasted longer uh the riots in the the um protests lasted over a year like longer than anywhere else in the country and the whole city pretty much got is gotten shambles and then the city's been really bad about getting back on its feet trying to like get it back together get their shit back together yeah so so the way homebody started was that um the pandemic pretty much everyone's on lockdown and within a few weeks you know everyone got that check that first uh trump check (laughs) For the, <laughs> the stimulus check. Yeah, yeah. And I, I you know, I bought so, uh, my laptop with it. So, and then I could like make recordings. And Kendall basically sent us uh, like a guitar and drum track. I was like, you guys want to just make something while we're here? I was like, sure. And, uh, and so, yeah, I added some bass and vocals and keys, just kind of like scratch take ideas. Like, not even like, this isn't going to be the final version. This is just like, here's, right. here's my idea. Let's see if we can run with it. Marshall did the same. And Kendall put it all together and just like instantly it was like, oh, it, that, that was where the takes and that was the song. And that's the first song on our, our EP that we put out in October. So it was like, 
and it had its own sound and it had its, it's very colorful. And it was like something that came so easily without, you know, when you're a music creator or songwriter or a producer or whatever, the, you always are almost thinking, you're always thinking of like how to make stuff, you know, but the best things happen when you're just, it's subconscious. Like you're not thinking at all about it. Like, it just, it yeah, you. even the lyrics, like lyrics, the lyrics for that song were like a poem that I'd written because of the pandemic like maybe the week before Kendall sent that song out. So I just like, I was like looking for words to sing. So I wasn't even thinking about it, like it being for that song and it just worked. And like, uh, and, it, and yeah, so it's just like, it all came together within a day. And then, yeah, we just were like, well, this is working. So let's keep doing it. And then it became its own life. Uh, and then we did our release show in October last year. And, uh, and was that uh, in Portland or was that here? That was here in Albuquerque. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot easier for me to go to come here, come right? here than yeah. have those two come up here. Um, and, you know, we're all from here, so it's like yeah. we have more of a family and friends that can come visit mm -hmm. and stuff. So uh, when we did our show, we put our release out. Um, we actually got put on a few indie playlists nice. uh, from our – Marshall kind of helped send them out. But, like, we got accepted by some, like, pretty big playlists that had – like before way big, you know, like burp FM, um, it's a FM radio station. And then now they do playlists and stuff. And like, all of a sudden we got like a thousand followers in like a few weeks on Spotify. Our main song that we sent paper grasshoppers got like, like we just got this like quick thing of success. It's not like a huge amount. No, you, you got a good bump. No, you yeah, got, we got a, a nice bump, bump. And, yeah. and more, more than any of our other things that we had ever done. So we were like, okay, well this is clearly something like worth pursuing. If we, yeah. you know, we're getting feedback that this is what it's like. So we decided to keep it going. And now, now we're here to do this tour. Well, that's, that's a super important thing that I think a lot of people need to hear is that, you know, of course, you hear about people who make one song and gets released and it goes like viral or whatever. And half of that, honestly, half of that's a load of bullshit because <laughs> it, no, it's funny. I had no idea. Like, I, I just listen to music. I don't really look into the background of it or any of that. Yeah. But um, a buddy of mine who helped me produce this podcast in the beginning, he, uh, we were having a conversation because he makes music too. And somehow it came up about how, like, Billy Eilish got famous like out of nowhere. <laughs> but then you look in the back end of it and like her parents actually work in record companies mm -hmm. and these uh and like they all they know a bunch of people um from uh, what's the fucking main the the Universal Uh yeah, from Universal Records and then another uh uh from Warner Warner uh Warner Music, or whatever it was. Warner Music, yeah. Yeah, from Warner That's Music. And they like they know all the people that run it mm -hmm. and they're able to boost it up and get Yeah, well in in some ways that's all all things. Um, yeah. is kind of nepotism in, yeah. in some degree. But you know, even in even in your life it's like um not your life. <laughs> <laughs> not your life, dude. No. In like I feel like everyone's life. It is uh, and that's what they really focus. Like I remember in college, they always said it's about networking, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, so, and that's something too, that you can't, you can't take for granted because no. if you're just an asshole, yeah. like that's going to catch up to you. It doesn't matter how good of a musician you are mm -hmm. or how good of a, anything that you are. If you're like, well, I think of like Mike Tyson. So maybe not. <laughs> Hey, Mike Tyson's the shit, he's, son. He's the shit. No, no. I'm just saying back in the day, like, like, oh, like, back in like, his prime, he was a fucking annihilator. Yeah. Yeah. He so and he, he was a monster dude. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, went to some stuff, but that, that's a, that's a, I was just thinking, like, I was trying to imagine, like, that was a guy who was so talented. He could, he could yeah. overcome that. But anyways, but, but I'm just saying like in the long terms, it's like the, your life really is like who you meet that helps you get to the different places mm -hmm. that you go to. Yeah. Cause if you're just like, like I've met some of the most talented people I've ever met, but they just don't have any kind of social apparatus skills yeah. for like, you know, like some of those really genius people that just, they just don't know how to like talk. And, uh, but the ones that do it's because they usually meet, have a manager or they have a whole background team of, people that yeah. help them get to where they want to go and that that's for all things you know actors sports uh people you know like you know it's all it's all it's a you have to have a village right to yeah make the, make oh and thing. especially here in albuquerque like i think that's one of the most beautiful things about this place is because we're going through this like renaissance of fucking music and entertainment everyone wants everyone in that like everyone who's working at it wants everyone else to succeed finally 
and everyone is we're all trying to get somewhere yeah and maybe people just want to be uh you know the band that kicks it around here and just plays music here goes to their day job does this and that's perfectly fine Mm -hmm. there is nothing wrong with that there are bands that want to go out and be fucking world touring rock stars Mm -hmm. we've got and then like uh i've been able to which i'm really happy about because i fucking love stand-up comedy oh yeah yeah, Um, me too the stand-up scene here is growing. Yeah. And so I've been able to, like, speak to a lot of comedians, and, and they're yeah. the exact same way. They're all just trying to, like, get along with this. And then – but there can't be – well, for one, in my opinion, anyway, there can't be a whole lot of gatekeeping that goes on. And then, you know, you have to be able to network properly. Yeah. You have to be. And so, like, I was having this conversation with um, with Peach when she came through. Oh, yeah. And, and, we, had, and we had a conversation. Peach, dude. And, Shout uh, out to Peach. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, absolute sweetheart. And – uh we were talking about how easy it is because of like, be, like the positive of Albuquerque and really New Mexico, but like Albuquerque being so small, is every, once you go out a little more, you start to know each other, you meet people, you see the same people, you build more of that goodwill, and then you're able to kind of network and branch out, mm-hmm. and we get along fine. Yeah, but it is so easy. I feel like to just tarnish your reputation. Yeah, and oh, just yeah. you make. I, you know, you make one wrong move, you say the bad thing, mm. you piss off the wrong person. And that's like obviously um that's excluding like act like doing actually like heinous or otherwise horrible things to people. Yeah. But like obviously. if you if you just if you just walk around like you're the shit and you're better than everybody else, or you just treat people horribly, I mm. mean people are gonna know that about you and Yeah, and, it'll and then, catch up. Yeah, so why are they gonna wanna do a fucking show with you? Yeah. Why are they going to want to collaborate on a song with you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the, the people at the like the at the people at venues, you know, like at like sister if we were playing or uh, Launchpad, if you do something that like really rubs them the wrong way, like they, you know, they don't, because it's sometimes it's harder to get into certain venues. I remember because when I was starting out here, you know, I didn't know anything about anything and like how to get gigs and how to get, you know, because I don't know anything about marketing. Now I do, and now I know how to run a show somewhat successfully. But it's like, um, if you're if you're going to be, uh if you're going to be in it for the long run, you have to have to be listening to people who have been doing it forever and you have to not take their time for granted because mm-hmm. they're, they're not there to help you, you know, cause like everyone, like we should always be building everyone up. But at the same time, you have to understand that it's a, give and take well, it's a business yeah it's a business and, and it's not you to gotta... say that everyone's are leeches but no it's a no, business yeah, like, oh, you're gonna help me i'm gonna help yeah, you yeah the, the venue's not there to help you with your grand you know yeah. vision in your head <laughs> you know they if that's the byproduct of you bringing things into their show and then having a successful show that's great but like they they don't care at all like what the vision in your head is you have to you have to show them that your vision's going to be great and you have to do it in a way where you're not stepping on their toes or stepping on the other musicians' toes or band's toes because right. people remember that and people talk and people you know get wrapped up in 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 stuff that's like you know you know like all of a sudden there's these like this person said this and this person knows this and uh, like don't fucking talk to that person you talk to that person they did this to me whenever and it's and it's I'm sorry to experience that firsthand. Yeah, Hearing, we, we not, all we all not, not that it. I'm doing anything. I, I hear the stories. Yeah, you hear I the love stories. being an outsider and, you and know, just like learning and yeah. absorbing and of course. And well, you know, it's like what we we're we're all victim to that, you know. Yeah. No one no one's and the thing is too, it's like honestly, if you're someone who everyone likes, you're probably not that interesting of a person. <laughs> you, know? you if you don't make a few enemies in life, are you really living like Yeah. Properly? Well that's like the one of, one of the worst people to get around is like the person like don't be wrong, there can be altruistic people and there can be individuals that are just universally liked. That happens. I mean, if that if that wasn't the case, we probably wouldn't have gotten Jim Carrey and Robin Williams. Like I I have yet to meet <laughs> yeah. one person that didn't like those uh, fucking people, right? Yeah. But you know, if you meet some like, and that's what I love about doing this podcast is like, obviously it's like helped me become like better at conversations, yeah, better, talking like, to you. like articulate myself. But, but I really believe that everyone has about mm, 15 to 20, maybe 30 minutes worth of bullshit inside <laughs> of them. Right. Yeah. Where it's like these pre-saved answers 
a pre-established narrative they have about themselves where it may or may not be true. Um, and they just kind of have these things where they just go on autopilot, yeah. whether it's doing this, whether it's at a bar, whether it's at work, you know, it's like, I'm going to say, like, I have a Rolodex of fucking answers and I'm going to pull out the ones that fit the situation best and just get on with my life. Not really. But if you actually want to talk to somebody and I, and I feel like it's, this is also this kind of growing because podcasting has exploded. Yeah. Like just the ability to like think critically and get across uh, your vision well, because you're right. Like, and the reason I'm bringing all this up is like, with the venues, their job is not to make you the next fuck, <clears throat> you know, the next Billboard top ten. Like, that's not their job. Yeah, their that's job, your that's your job. <laughs> exactly. Their their job is to sell booze and make people have a good time, make them want to come back. And you brought up a really good point earlier about saving people's time. Mm-hmm. One thing that has really angered me, like legitimately, like like because it just inconveniences me almost every weekend, <laughs> is because of the crime post pandemic here in Albuquerque. Everything closes so early, yeah, yeah. and it's I a real that. like I remember pre pandemic the couple of times oh, that I man. went out, sister stayed open till like two thirty, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then and then now for people listening that live in like L A or fucking Miami, go fuck yourself, you know what I mean? But like you guys, you guys party till the fucking sun goes down. Our sun comes up, but you know, Uh, here our bars close at one. Yeah. Um, some bars actually close at 11 or 12 during the week. Um, Walmart, no more 24 hours. Uh, there is no (laughs) food that stays open past 10 except for like frontier and then a brewery. Yeah. You know? Yeah, dude, that was the bummer. Cause I remember that was, those were some of my favorite times in in Albuquerque, dude, when I, when I lived here, cause in Portland, I wasn't, I was shocked to find out what a sleepy city Portland is. Really? Oh man. Like most places closed by eight or nine there. I couldn't do that. On on a Friday a lot of times. I can't do that. I know we, me and my, my, uh, girl, my, my girlfriend, partner, whatever will make people less angry or what I call (laughs) the person I love most in my life. Um, we went to go see, uh, Nick Kroll. Guy from Big Mouth. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, does stand yeah. up. So we went to go see him at like this big theater downtown Portland. We get out at like ten, maybe or nine thirty, I think. And the car park lot is like stacked. So we're like, let's go find something to eat, get a drink or something, uh, while we're waiting. We walked for like forty five minutes, didn't find a single place open to eat. <laughs> Down Ish. downtown That's Portland. Rough. Yeah. And it's like 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 it's like two million two and a half million people live here. Like what and it's so that big of a, a city. A lot of busies. Oh well so it and Austin are the two from the past ten years, uh, are the growest fasting cities in the country. Well, Austin is fucking exploding. Yeah, no, Austin, yeah, Austin, they were oh they're almost sister cities in weird ways but like uh they were both under a million in 2009 2008 and then around 2010 they tr- like more than doubled no their shit. population so now they're both at like 2.5 million or yeah. something like that crazy that's insane and you can tell when you're driving too because it's like built like a small city <laughs> so like there's all these roads that have huge amounts of traffic that have cars going all different ways and you're like like well you could just tell like this was not built for this many people on the traffic right on, on the freeways. <laughs> well and it's that's fucking well that's insane to me that things were closed by fucking 10 o'clock at oh, night yeah, downtown i mean i'm sure there's places that but, yeah. i just don't know right but yeah like, but you know in a place like that, you should be able to just walk yeah, around and find shit. Yeah. And then, so, like, here in Albuquerque, everything closes early. You don't have a whole lot of, like, if you have a schedule, you need to stick to it. And you're right. Like, let's say you're a band, and for fucking some reason, you think you're so good that you're going to play five fucking encores. <laughs> or or you think you're so fucking good oh, that you're going to show up an hour and a half late. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to do, because I'd imagine that most venues... Like, I feel like Launch would be the place for this. I don't know how they run it, but, you know, if a band is fucking killing it down there and they do a couple of encore songs and the crowd keeps being happy, people want to come back to see a show there next time, people want to keep getting, oh, they're doing another encore, I'm going to get another drink, you know, yeah. that, that type of thing, I'm sure they're fine with that. Mm-hmm. But staying like an if if you're a band that stays like an hour past your time, which I'm sure there's people that have done that. Yeah. I'm sure there has we, been. We, we we did that a little bit last night. So. Oh, really? <laughs> well, no, it's just like they they were closing up because that was the thing too. Like, because uh, I haven't been here, so I didn't know that everything was closing so much earlier. Yeah, like, I remember sister staying up like super late. Yeah, and people being there, and then by like when it was getting it like 
1230, 1235. The guy was like, oh, we'll keep striking the stage. It was like, oh, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> finish your drinks. Get this stuff out. Uh, but no, shout out to Sister because those, man, yeah. those, those fools know how to run it, man. Well, they're Love great, sister. man. Love and, them. And, but I'd imagine they would not be as thrilled if you showed up an hour late. Showed up an hour and a half yeah, late, or you showed or, up not prepared, or, just, yeah, or this, you showed yeah, up the, not doing yeah, the sound running, check. Yeah, running sound check, dude. That's yeah. the that's the that's where you can really like if you don't have the clear plan, things can go awry pretty quick. Yeah, because yeah. then it's like, all right, now you have a bunch of people standing in a room waiting for a show. Show mm-hmm. may or may not happen, and yeah. then it's like, all right, great. If you're in the middle of the lineup, that last band might not be able to go on. Yeah, or pushes it back. <clears throat> yeah, just you push everything back. You fuck up a timeline. And people don't want to work with you anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, you, know, you you brought up a little bit earlier how you you know when you see an opportunity to go push this, you go do it. Has that mindset always kind of been there, or have you had to kind of like mm-hmm. ingrain that into you, where it's like, hey, I got to go be a hard worker if I want to make this work. I have to actually dedicate time, effort, and money. Like this is gonna take this. This is real commitment. The 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 work ethic was always there. The direction that I was focusing the energy on was very misaligned because <laughs> that that's the trial and error part yes. because like, and there's a lot of people that have the books and stuff and like, you know, I read some of them and, you know, I watch a bunch of people interview about it, about like how to go about doing things. But uh, a lot of times it's, it's more just knowing what your strengths are and how to play to them. So for me, it just took me a long time to understand. Cause it's like, I, for me, I dedicated my whole life to music. There's a very clear point when I was 15, I think, that I said, I don't know what I'm going to do in the future, but it, this is going to be kind of my main priority. Uh, and depending if I succeed or not, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I'm just going to do it. Um, but, but then going about it in the, the right ways, how to talk to people, how to network, like we were talking about, or like how to... Um, how to book a show, how to market yourself, how to uh, basically be a, a business unto yourself, a brand unto yourself, a, uh, which I honestly, I'm still not good at that part because I just do not give a shit what people think about me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hate playing to, I don't know, things like that in my appearance and images and, and stuff like that. But, um, but, but, you know, it's like, like just trying to, to, to do things in a way that, you know, finding out how to play to your strengths. Like I was saying, it's like, yeah. be like in, in my homebody band, we're all tight and playing off of each other on what we're good at. So, uh, Marshall, our guitar player is also kind of our manager. Cause he's very, you know, very, he does Excel sheets. He does, you know, he's like very, not OCD. He might be a little OCD, but <laughs> I love you, Marshall. But like when you see, like he'll send us these things so we can look at like expenses. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Cool, well, hey, you dude. need that. You, yeah, you need that. Yeah. And he's good at that. And, um, and Kendall's this awesome music maker, our drummer, Kendall. Uh, and you know, overall, dude, like um, honestly, I, what's hard about Homebody is that all of us do so many different things and since we started as a recording project first and not as a live band we had to really wrap our heads around how we we're going to do it because it was really like oh here's this song kendall already did the guitar bass and drums what am i going to add because Kendall, <laughs> kendall's a beast dude he's yeah. actually more of a guitar player but he's been working on drums hard and and doing triggers and stuff but so you know i'll add pianos to a song or i do harmonies and so when it's just like the three of us playing though it's like it, we we really had to think on how we are going to make our live sound be different than what we have recorded, but still kind of accent those hits. Um, and yeah, and so so it's just like if you get yourself a team that that everyone is playing a part to build onto the whole, it it you can just deliver a lot better. Whereas like when I was twenty, starting twenty one, I just go out like, oh, can I play here, please, sir? Here's my here's my demo CD that sounds like shit. I don't know why. It's like a like prepubescent Jordan Peterson. I just went into. I don't know what that was. But uh, well, that's well, that's probably how how you look to a lot of the Fendu promoters. Like, all right, another guy with the demo. Let's see what's going on. Yeah, because it's like you're a kid, and it's like yeah. maybe they even listen to it. Like, but you know, it's like a lot of times it's all networking. You have to know the guy that runs it, or the mm-hmm. person that runs it, or the person yeah. that books. And you know, it's just like I didn't know that, so 
I spent a lot of lot of wasted time on doing the wrong thing. And right. Then you just slowly like, oh no, do this, no, do that, and then eventually. Well, you and you know, and obviously in the moment, it's like, fuck, what am I doing? I feel like I'm I'm banging my head against the wall. Like, where am I going? But in retrospect, this was, this was a mistake. Yeah, but but if you keep working at what you're doing, and you're able to look back and say, okay. I know it doesn't work now. Mm-hmm. And I now have a, because like, and we were talking about this a couple of nights ago, like you can show humans generally five different ways to do something, right? And but they'll usually pick the stupidest. And they're not, well, not <laughs> no. only are they going to pick the worst way to do it typically, if you're trying to show them the right way, they're going to learn the right way by doing the wrong thing. Yeah. That is why that that is how most lessons end up being learned. Yeah, it's yeah. not by like don't be wrong. There, like you can have great experiences. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna whatever that did that created that feeling. I'm gonna keep doing that. Yeah, but a lot of things are learned through adversity and rejection, and mm-hmm. you know, just being told being told no yeah. or not even being told anything. I have attention. Yeah, yeah, all the way because because that's all. If you're there's a lot of people that make the same mistakes over and over again, and it's because they aren't paying attention to mm-hmm. what's going on. And so I, I feel like I've, I've managed to do that in my life, which is good. Cause, uh, cause yeah, when you're, when you're, your, your attention's everything. And I think there's a lot of unhealthy lifestyle choices. A lot of times people are, uh, conditioned into by their upbringing where they, if something goes wrong, they instantly nullify it by yeah. getting into a zoned out space with like drinking or smoking or whatever. Right. Um, where it's just like they have to numb themselves from the pain and put themselves in the state. But but by doing that, they just kind of perpetuate the negative lifestyle cycles yeah. that they're they're living in. And um, th- there's kind of a bit of where you have to embrace the pain. You have to embrace that this things happen to you and you or you you you. You took in, you took in, you took in the wrong direction, yeah. and kind of focus on it and learn how to turn that into a positive for the future. Like I'm not going to do that again, you know. Well, you know, and I wish I wish he was here because he'd be able to explain it a lot better than I could. But uh, one of our roommates, Joey, uh, shout out to Joey. Yeah, he's a good guy, <laughs> real good guy. He. Uh, so the reason I am living with my friends. Uh, currently is because me and my chick had split up last year oh, and we were living yeah, together bro. and my friends are great and they let me move in here. And there was just like you were saying, there was one night where is, this is, is like, is, is he one of them? Yeah. 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 He's one of the roommates. <laughs> He's one of the friends. Yes. And, uh, I don't think he'd be sitting behind that. Dude, fu- you're a good friend, man. I would yeah. not, like, if one of my friends broke up with their chick, I'd let him stay for a bit in my place, yeah. but I'd so be I'm like, dude, all right, <laughs> all right. Time for you to get your own place, dude. No, I think the, yeah, the, I think the slightly lowering of the rent was a good, uh, bargaining <laughs> yeah. chip too. Uh, okay. so, hey, wait a minute. It the, worked out. Yeah. Gotcha. The rent goes down by a couple. All right, cool. Gotcha. Yeah. Come on. But no, it's, uh, it was awesome, but what well, still is, but. You know, this was like maybe I hadn't even moved in yet. This was this might have been night zero of the breakup, maybe mm. even night two, oh, right? Man. So yeah. I'm in it. Raw. I am in it. And You're sushi raw, dude. Yeah, I'm a fucking mess. <laughs> and I'm expecting my my buddy. I'm expecting him to be like, all right, figure your shit out, or like, you know, fucking, you know, like, like me get told to fucking, you know, don't fucking worry about it. It's not a big thing. Or don't fucking show emotion, whatever it was. We were sitting together, and I'm sitting, like, we're sitting in the living room, and I'm on this couch, and he's, like, right here. And he's just, like, staring at me. And I'm like, fuck, now I'm in fucking tears. My One of my best friends is just looking at me like I'm an idiot. Like, what the fuck is going on? And he's, like, staring at me for about 30 to 40 seconds, and he goes, and, well, because I sat back, and I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And he goes, whatever you're feeling right now, Sit with that. Yeah, sit with it. Sit with it. Feel everything you're feeling right now. Don't fight it. Just let it out. Yeah. And I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> you know, I was like, "What the fuck?" Don't don't numb it. Yeah. Don't go on Instagram and slide in all those girls' DMs to <laughs> to try and get some rebound. Just sit with it for a second. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but it's interesting that you brought up the idea of people trying to like nullify and get rid of those emotions yeah. through substances because, dude. Oregon's doing some pretty experimental shit from what I've heard, yeah, right? Dude. Oh my god, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. And uh dude, it's getting to a point where it's like you just go online and they have microdosing shroom pills and stuff that are that's apparently legal and you can and they make specific ones for like couples who are like going to have sex that are very focused on 
you know, being horny. Like it, it's got like gillyweed or gillyweed. I can't remember. It's like something uh, guys take. That no, yeah, it's uh, it's like he looked that up, dude. It's like uh, gillywhack or some shit like that. Well, yeah, I think I, Gillyweed's from fucking Harry Potter. <laughs> no, oh. <laughs> but no, no, but no, no, it's, horny it's, goat weed. Yeah, goat weed. Goat weed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not g- Gillyweed's that. Gillyweed's the Harry, Harry Potter shit, right? Sorry, but no, you're good. Um, but no, the reason I bring that up is like, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, they've got fucking. Um, okay, the first the Ron. first thing is Ron Jeremy. <laughs> that's, fucking, that's about right. <laughs> you can close out that VPN shit, dude. We don't no, need it, man. Um, dude, honestly, what a legend though, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Like what a what a weird dude, but man, if you have a sublime song that references you, it's like I'm hornier than Ron Jeremy, you're doing something right. But they uh can Ep- you Epimedium. Can you yeah, Epimedium. Okay, can does does Oregon do the safe injection sites? Yes. Do they oh, yeah, can you that, can you pull up when they started doing that? It's look up Oregon safe injection sites. Because that was the weirdest fucking thing to me. Because I remember when very like very clearly, I remember when Colorado legalized marijuana, mm-hmm. and people freaked the fuck out. Yeah. Obviously, because oh, like, yeah. oh, it's gonna ruin the society, and then it was gonna be like the um, what was the what was that stupid fucking social theory that came out of nowhere? Uh, the high society theory. High society. High yeah. so- or, or no, the, the the not high society. It's like the like the numbed society, or like. It is like a play on high society. Where basically what it was is that if you legalize marijuana in a huge city or a huge state like that, what'll end up happening is like uh, driving accidents are gonna skyrocket. Fucking customer service is gonna go down. Efficiency is gonna go down um, because everyone's just apparently gonna immediately be high out of their minds yeah. and not really fix anything. It's like, but my whole thought process behind that was, well, especially in a place like Colorado, and you're talking about marijuana specifically. If you legalize weed, and this is what we actually ended up seeing, everyone who's already smoking weed is not going to stop. Yeah. And everyone who's not smoking weed, for whatever reason, they're probably not going to start. It is extremely easy to find that drug. Yeah. So the reason I bring all that up is so now in Oregon, have you like noticed any kind of effect of like there being stuff like safe injection sites? Like are there... Are there like ads for it around the city? I so I, I'm totally out of my depth on this. I have no idea. Uh, like, do you, do you see like like do you see? Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely. I mean, stuff around town that are advertising stuff like that. Uh no, not really around town. I think I've seen like a few sites like while I'm driving, but yeah, yeah. I, I no, I haven't been paying attention at all on that. So I, I'm out of my depth on that. But I I will say. Um, just the amount of people I see out and about stone when you're interacting with people, that's definitely gone out. <laughs> I've seen a few, few guys that are just kind of like lost wandering in the back where they're not supposed to be I'm like, uh, what are you doing? They're, they're well-meaning, you know, but no, I never bought into that, that at all because yeah. it's like, um, to me, it pretty much worked out the way I thought it was going to be, which is like corporations are just going to flood in on it. And Colorado mm-hmm. is economy is gonna fucking skyrocket same thing with oregon and now they're rich as hell so yeah well and it's crazy too with how you know because a lot of there's a lot of money influx going into oregon post covid with all this stuff happening Mm -hmm. but like do they they have a crazy bad like homeless problem too right yeah oh well and it's only gotten worse with all the like i was telling you about those riots that really yeah the infrastructure kind of uh just go out the window and and there's just people everywhere and yeah. yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. I had a couple of run-ins. Uh, <laughs> you know, you'll drive down like the main street on on like one on, on Main Street at like 12 p.m. on a Friday. People are just smoking crack on the street. And like, okay. That's <laughs> that's that. There's like yeah, all kinds of tents. I don't think it's as bad as like L.A. from no. what I've seen or talked to some of my homies about. But um, but Oregon's pretty enough that it's pretty much just like camping at that point. <laughs> So, <laughs> it would suck though. I wouldn't want to be homeless there because man, it's just raining all the time. Right. It's just like so cold. Well, like, that's that's what's, that's what's crazy to me about LA is like I have friends that live there, so I'll get pictures of it, and obviously you just see it in the news every now and again, where the government just giving up. And what they do is they don't even try to fix the problem. What they do is they like they send in things and services that sustain homeless people yeah. where they're at. Yes. Like not to house or not to do any of that. Like they'll put 
portal shitters yep. in the fucking communities. They'll send doctors out to provide care. Yeah. And do all that. It's like, okay, so like, I love the sentiment, but that is just Band-Aid solution after Band-Aid solution after Band-Aid yeah. solution. And like, have you seen the budget for like the homeless problem in LA? It's something I ridiculous. Like three, can you pull that up? What the home, what the, what the budget is to, uh, for, for, what would you look up? Um, uh, Los Angeles homeless prevention budget. It's something to the tune of $250 million a year. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. And it's sad though. Yeah. Because it's like, well, in what universe is there going to be a solution um, when the people that profit or the people who work for it profit off the problem? You know, see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, if they fix the homeless problem, why are they going to have a huge budget? Why are they going to get their bonuses? Why are they going to have huge, uh, huge salaries? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Trying to, anytime you have a big social like issue, trying to. Oh my god! How much is it? Seven point two billion dollars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that blows what you were looking at. Holy <laughs> shit! You weren't even close, dude. Oh my god! Okay, so homeless. Okay, so yeah, leave it right there. Yeah, homelessness package proposes to focus on near uh, near team needs. The governor's 22 to 23 budget proposes $2 billion one-time general fund over two years that is intended to address near-term ho- near-term homelessness. Jesus Christ. Well, that's what I mean. They have all these like bureaucratic definitions See, of and, like homelessness. And this so is what's fucked up, right? So I, so I read near-team because that's what it says. Yeah. But it's a typo because it's supposed to be near-term, near-term homelessness. So the damn people for the government can't even spell right. Yeah. And now they've got seven billion dollars 1.2 billion dollars and yeah and whenever whenever you have money that's that big like it's you can't really keep track of it in an honest like way of like where is is all this going the way it needs to go well the 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 pentagon they were audited yeah and did you see that and they couldn't make up for 56 percent of their budget or some shit oh man it's like something to the tune of seventeen trillion dollars. Yeah, just went missing. Mm-hmm. But then you know, if gone. you uh, if you fuck up tur- TurboTax wrong, you're gonna get fucking <laughs> fined to shit and sent to jail. Oh God, don't remind me, dude, oh. dude. Filling out taxes as a musician is stressful. Don't, don't, don't let's not get into it. Yeah, I, yeah. We'll <laughs> see because I did it once because I've I because I, I opened an LLC for the podcast. Yeah. Oh, and, dude. Yeah. When you're in your own business, dude. And uh, I did it once, and I said it was like four a.m doing these fucking numbers and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, if I didn't have TurboTax, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, how do people, people do it on their own? H&R like, Block. Yeah, yeah, you take well, it into someone, right. but then they'll charge you however much. Yeah. Depends on how complicated your stuff is. So, yeah, you always got to keep track. <laughs> the government don't forget. <laughs> They're not going to tell you how much you owe. You got to figure it out <laughs> you for yourself. You got to figure out how you owe it. <laughs> so what is keeping you in Portland right now? Um, you know, I just have a job there. I do have some friends there. Um, I'm not doing, I'm, I'm starting some other music projects up there too, as well. Um, Homebody's, uh, kind of my biggest thing that, that I'm pouring a lot of my stuff into. Um, but a lot of big part of my musical history is hard rock and like, okay. kind of more over the top, funny, you know, big crazy noisy riffs and you know i'm very much of that kind of personality you probably see at the show i was very kind of over the top and our music's fairly chill (laughs) more or less um so you know i I do have i have some bands i'm kind of starting on up there but uh i am giving it a little bit of time um and if yeah if things aren't going well i might move back here you know i also have family here my family's getting older want to spend some time with them before Dad kicks the bucket. <laughs> oh shit! No, yeah. I'm just kidding. No, he's, like, he's, he's he's healthy. He's we're getting close, huh? No, no. It's just you know when they my parents are a bit older for yeah. my age, but uh, you know just like uh, the older you get, you do want to be around some family. And uh, if I can figure out how to keep things going up in Portland, we're, you know I'm gonna get try and give it another year. Or so see if if something's working, I might stay longer. If not, because there are like there are the cool things, you know, sh- just shit constantly on Oregon or Portland, but um. There, there's some really cool things about it. I do like being in a place where there's just like life everywhere. Right. It's just like you yeah, just it's very green. You just look at concrete. It's just like life is spurting out of this <laughs> stuff. No matter how much we try to keep it under, it's crazy. Uh, it's beautiful. Food scene's good. Uh, my my partner is a baker. Oh, like that's, the that's number awesome. one bakery in Portland. Shout out Emily. <laughs> that's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, she's awesome. And uh, so. 
you know, we're, the food scene there is really cool because the food scene is almost like how the music industry was in the 90s, sort of. Like um, in Portland, it's about food carts. And there's a bunch of things called food cart pods where it's kind of like Albuquerque's starting to get some where it's like um, there will be 10 or sometimes 15, sometimes five, just food carts that are all independently owned by just an owner that's like, and they're kind of doing their own thing. And some of them are really creative and really cool and they'll have like their own everything and they they'll make a menu that's really cool and their food will be kind of experimental with mixing genres and stuff of different food styles and you'll get it and what's cool is like if they do really well they'll um it, they'll get kind of a social media following and they'll eventually get enough kind of clout and money to open up a brick and mortar which would be like the equivalent of like a a band that does it themselves yeah. and if they start to get some clout and money the, they'll get a record deal from like a label or whatever. Right. So it's really cool in Portland. Like um, I've seen some food trucks because my I'm somewhat in the food scene just because my girlfriend works. She's worked at Matt's Barbecue Tacos, which is like a, one of the top rated food carts in the country. Not trying to brag about my gal, <laughs> but she's a boss. But she, um, it's just like in that world. It's like a world in and of itself. Yeah, for they sure. all know it's kind of it is weird because like I'd go to these parties that they would throw and it's like oh that's the guy from that food cart oh that's the owner of that food cart it's like being in bands sort of where like oh that dude's in that band you know and uh and you can tell like who just takes off because of like social media and like the people almost become figures of themselves you know like uh in the food scene so it is really cool to to kind of do that but man nothing will beat fucking green chili like for me so that's a hard pull that was like one of the <laughs> easiest yeses I have, I've ever said in my life. Oh yeah, when, I was seeing the, yeah. you sponsored right mm-hmm. when Chop Chili approached me to do the pod to sponsor the pod. I was like yes, yes, it's so good, dude. It is oh, Chop, dude. You don't really see these much. Where yeah, it is blend? so good. Uh, that blend is fucking amazing. And um, Magus, when they had approached me. And they sent me some, uh, yeah, yeah, it's my money. <laughs> when they had sent me back on a plane with me, a uh, a box full of stuff to oh, try, man. I was like, "Fuck, y'all ain't gonna sponsor me no more. This was enough. <laughs> like, this is so fucking good." Shut you out for life. Yeah, no, it's it's cool, man. And the way that you described like that that food scene, that industry, like that is really like, I don't I, stuff like that doesn't really get highlighted a whole lot anymore. And I think it should, like, yeah. like on a broader scale, right? People in that community know about it. People talk about it and love it, but like that needs to get pushed. Because what do you hear? The first thing you hear about Oregon is fucking drugs and homelessness. Unfortunately, just like here in Albuquerque, yeah. what do you hear about? You hear about homelessness and crime. Yeah, meth and meth. Yeah, Make you Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> other people like Philly's got fucking Rocky Balboa statues, yeah. and we've got <laughs> Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, yeah. So, uh-huh. but you know, just and that's why I love doing this and talking to people like yourself because you know we get to hear about these yeah. beautiful things it's here out sides, man. that people just don't know about. Yeah. So what? Right now, is there a plan? Is there any kind of uh, like vision or anything like what you're doing for your music in the next year or yeah. so? Because I know, because obviously, in the near five hours or so, you've got a uh, show in Santa you got a Fe. show in Santa Fe, yeah, with Side Montero again. So that's awesome. Double, double, oh, no, double shit. with them. Uh, that's awesome. Then another band called Gold Tides from Santa Fe. Um, where is playing at Rufina Tap Room? I don't know if this is live, but yeah, it's live. If you're, yeah. if you're watching. <laughs> You want to see a good ass show. Um, so for the future, we uh, homebody. We're currently using this tour time. We have a few off days that we're going to record mm-hmm. our next few songs. We have quite a few in the pipeline that we're going to just sporadically release over the year. Okay, we're planning another bigger tour in September, cool. tentatively going to California this time, and then up to Oregon. So nice. you can tie tie that together. Cali will be fun. Yeah, expensive but fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We're we're only going to try and play, and then just get through it. Yeah, and, uh, we got some f- homies out there, so that's Shouldn't awesome. Be too bad, but we um. So Homebody's doing that. Um, my own stuff. I have a record for my shit I'm putting out under a band called Rue Badly or a name called Rue Badly. That's my solo stuff. And then uh, I'm trying to form a band called Kister Blister, <laughs> <laughs> which is this kind of noise punk duo, um, just bass and drums, but my bass is all heavy and riffified. So 
yeah, so those are those are the upcoming things for this year for me. But yeah, definitely pushing out homebody. So if you all watching want to follow us, we're homebody underscore is underscore here on Instagram. We're on Spotify, Bandcamp, OnlyFans. That's where we post the. No, I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> I was like, no <laughs> shit. Hello. <laughs> it's and just, demonetized. It's just us. Yeah, <laughs> it's just us taking off a, a shirt and there's a guitar there. <laughs> uh, uh, we had a joke we used to say like at the end of shows would be like, you can find us on LinkedIn. <laughs> It's like when you use LinkedIn. And half the fucking crowd has no idea what you're talking about. Except the one guy in the suit who's like (laughs) there because of a layover. He wasn't supposed to be there. He's like, okay, I'll find you on LinkedIn. That's where I stalk the secretary. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, man. Well, this has been a fucking pleasure. Hey, no, this went by quick. Yeah. It's nice and easy. Yeah. Thanks for getting up for me. I know it was like, man, after a whole night. No, thank you for coming through. (laughs) Uh, The show last night was killer. Again, big shout out to Lamelo inside Montero. They fucking killed it. And uh, best of luck tonight on your show, dude. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you guys for listening and watching. And we'll check it out next time. Bye, everybody.